Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another Bradley Basics podcast. I'm here with uh, a really good friend of mine, Edward Barger. I probably know. Ed, how long have we known each other? I'm going to say we've known each other since about 2005. 2005. About 2005, yeah. So what is that, 20 years? That's uh, a little bit a little, more than that, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, it's, no, it's about right. It's yeah, about, about 20 years. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I had Ed come here today because he's, he's got quite a, a career success Success story, excuse me, I'm having a little problem talking right now. Uh, he's a uh, strategic business executive and, and a hell of a father, so we're going to discuss that. So can you elaborate on your, your new position there, Ed? Yeah, sure. So strategic business executive is, is, is a relatively new thing. Um, in, uh, in the spring of 21, I graduated at, at 51 years old with a master's degree from Penn, and I kind of wanted to remarket myself, re- rebrand myself, kind of with uh, with the, with the new parchment in hand. And I went to a firm in New York City, and uh, we kind of met a couple times and reviewed my my experience and my history. And uh, we came out with an updated LinkedIn profile, resume, board resume, and uh, what's a, what's a board resume and, and a bio. So a board resume looks very similar to your standard resume. It, it is a bit abridged. But it very specifically is pointing out the ways that you would be able to contribute uh, to a board, strategic vision, corporate governance. Oh, if you were on a board. If you were on a board, yeah. Interesting. If you were on a board. So my actual position, um, you know, having come up the ranks over the last you know, several years, is um, I am now the assistant vice president of corporate development. So I'm in mergers and acquisitions now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's big. It's, uh, it's, it's been a long road. It's been a long road. So I, I've been in the welding, industrial gas, and welding supply business for 31 years. This is my 31st year. Wow. And uh, I started off as a welder in 1992 for the U.S. Navy during the first Gulf War. Really? Yeah, I was stationed out at Subbase Pearl Harbor. Uh, we took care of repairs on 637 and 688. Uh, class submarines, and that's how I cut my teeth in the business. Wow! So what, in Pearl Harbor, out in Hawaii, out in Hawaii, yeah. Wow! What was that like? It was, uh, it was, it was a fantastic experience. How long were you out there for? I was out there for just over three years. You know, you start off with your boot camp, and then you go to your A school, where I actually learned how to weld. Oh, so they taught you how to weld in in in, in the Navy, right? In the Navy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the welding school at the time was actually in uh, at the Philadelphia Naval Yard, long since defunct. But that's where I was stationed to learn how to to learn how to weld, and then it's funny you get to your first command, and uh, the first thing they tell you is everything you learned, forget about it, because out here in the real world things are a little bit different. Wow. So yeah, it was it was a it was a process. Wow. But it was a great experience. It was, uh, you know, there was a saying, doesn't have to be done today, just before you go home, which kind of kind of tells you a lot. Yeah, yeah. There were some long days, and then there were some shorter days, but got ingrained into the culture at Hawaii, learned how to surf, and. Met some really good people, and the Navy experience really set the stage for everything since then. Right, right. So, like, the, like in the Navy, you you go through you go through boot camp, and you learn w- w- leadership skills, discipline. It's, I, I would, it's really a rigid structure, right? I would think. It's uh yeah yeah boot camp was certainly a rigid structure. I w- I would summarize boot camp as they need to break you of everything you've known to that point of all your civilian habits and get you some military bearing and some basic education and some discipline that that's really what it comes down to and, and then once you graduate uh, boot camp you have picked your job classification mm. um, I picked welding I, I couldn't even tell you at this point why I picked welding I, I, I don't know <laughs> it was available I guess um, yeah probably nobody else wanted to do it <laughs> <laughs> and then um, you know when, when you got done your a school you uh you picked your your job assignment, your your billet, so to speak, in the order that you graduate. And I graduated second in my class, so oh, I knew wow. I was going to have the first pick. And the night before graduation, and, and, and if you could picture the way that you pick your billets is you're literally sitting in a room with all your graduating classmates. And up on an old cork board are literally copies of paper orders. Report to Pearl Harbor, report to Subbase in Connecticut, report to Norfolk, whatever it is for the different ships. Well, when they released the list the night before, everybody's up all night, wheeling and dealing, haggling, fighting, arguing, trading. Well, we're going to pick. It's, it's like the NFL draft. Really? It's like the NFL draft. <laughs> Money's changing hands. I mean, it oh, was, wow. yeah, it was, it was a pretty unique experience. Something happened overnight where I was not going to get 
Hawaii. I was going to get Subbase Connecticut. And uh, the guy overnight somehow changed his mind and threw everybody's negotiations overnight completely out the window. And I was able to pick up, uh, you know, at number two and got, got shore duty at Hawaii. So, wow, wow. So yep. it went from this kind of good old boy type of thing to merit-based because you were second in the in your class oh yeah it was it was absolutely and and once you got below you know the 12th or 13th pick you were just going to norfolk on wherever you were needed i mean really didn't matter just go pick a piece of paper (laughs) right right that's where you're going well that's awesome yeah it was was pretty neat experience so and and you're 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 a father of uh, two daughters correct yes um how old are your how old are your daughters so i've got a 19 year old who's a finishing up her freshman year at gonzaga university out in spokane Wow. And uh, I have a sophomore at, uh, she's finishing up her sophomore year at Bishop Eustis Preparatory School. So, And where's that school at? That's in uh, Pensalkin, New Jersey. Okay, that's that's a private school? Yeah. How does that how does that work? How do you get into a private school? So, I think we actually have to start with my oldest. Okay. Um, my, my oldest came to us late in the game, her senior year of high school, and said, hey, I would really like to take a look at you know, not going to the local high school. It was totally not in our plans. We hadn't budgeted for it. There was no strategic play. It was just, well, what are our options? Mm-hmm. And uh, if we were going to go to a, you know, a parochial school, we, we wanted to pick one that was academically challenging and, you know, well-received and good reputation. And Bishop Eustis fit that bill. And then uh, coming up right behind her, you know, my youngest, Maya, was not going to be outdone by her sister and was just going to follow in those footsteps. So she just... She just one followed the other. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and then your oldest daughter, well, you said out in Gonzaga. What, what is she studying out there? She is uh, studying human resource management, and that has also turned into a minor in international business and French. But, uh, you know, funny story with her being in Gonzaga, when she was going through the, the, the process, she wanted to go to college to study animation. And my wife and I... Oh, were, for the, like, movies and stuff? Yeah, oh. yeah, just animation. And my wife and I were not very high on that. And no, no offense to anybody that studied animation or whose mm-hmm. kids are studying animation. We just didn't see the, the value in that for her, particularly coming out of, you know, the school that she came out of. But we also didn't want to tell her no. So we kind of challenged her, like, hey, I want you to do the research. I want you to understand what are the growth industries for the next five years, ten years. That's and how, awesome. are you, how are you going to pay your bills and be independent and, you know, take care of yourself? And uh, she took it to heart and came back and said, these are the, you know, the, the five growth industries in the next X amount of years is tech, and I have no interest in tech. Number six is HR. So I'm going to go study HR. Oh, I think HR is important. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, I think you have a big shift in you know, both of both of you and I have worked for, you know, twenty plus years, thirty years. I'm tw- I'm going on twenty six here, and you, you start to see there's a huge gap, and there's a big, you know, stuff has to be kind of managed better than it was in the past, right? You know, so managed better. You know, there's there's a joke at our organization. You know, once upon a time, sales ran our company, mm-hmm. and then it shifted to operations ran our company. Mm-hmm. And now HR runs the company. I mean, it's just become a, such a huge part of everything. Right. Uh, from from day to day. And to and there, there are elements of it that I think are very good. I think internal stakeholders are, are, are important. And particularly in some of the shifts we're seeing in business, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've, we've got to be tight on that. Yeah. One of the books uh, on Bradley Basics that I read was, uh, you know, Mark, Mark Messier, no, no One Wins Alone. Mm. You know, he's, you know, well, he's got six uh, Stanley Cups, I mean, five with Edmonton and one with the Rangers. So, you know, you, you just listen to him, how humble he is and how his, how his leadership skills just developed through the years, but it was all a big team, team approach. Sure. You know, and I think, I feel like our organization is, is, is embarking upon that, that journey. And I think we're going to do well. I think the right, right people are in place. And we all, you know, we all have like in the past, you, you know, you weren't ever, sometimes you weren't allowed to, Hmm. to have, to even talk about something, which is kind of bizarre and it's frustrating. But now, you know, like, um, you know, the environment where I work is starting to change for the better. And it's, it, and that'll track young people, hence the HR, HRs, you know, it, people, uh, that's important. I, I think it's a great, you know, a great, a great thing to be doing. I, I think the research aspect, aspect of it as well is, is spot on because I talked to a lot of kids just when I play hockey with them, kids from CBA that, you know, hmm. I've said yeah. on previous podcasts, like, like, you know, they found out I went to Michigan state and I guess they're going or whatever you, you know, I say, yeah, I, I went there. 
you know, I, I ask him like, what do you, what are you studying? Oh, I'm just going, I'm like, just going. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like that's a lot of money just to be going. No plan. Huh? You know, if I look back at my edge, you know, with technology and everything else, all I would have to do is do that Lansing community college for two years and take my pre-engineering stuff. That's all I would have needed to get a job, to be really honest with you. And then, then I would have said, all right, do I, what kind of engineer do I want to be? Or maybe I might want to do something else. Sure. You know? But I didn't know any better. So I just went and into material science, got a degree there, which is, I, I have no regrets. Right. But quite honestly, you know, if you want to get in, you know, community college is just, I mean, it's a great, great way to go. I mean, I, 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 I bet I met so many engineers through the years where they're like, how'd you get through the math? I, hmm. I still went to community college. It was like high school. I could raise my hand. I didn't feel intimidated. Sure. When you go to Michigan State, you're in an uh, organic chemistry course with 800 people. <laughs> like you right. don't you don't answer, ask a question because you got to stand up and it's like they're doing a pre you know right. right. I could do it now, but back then I was sure. you know back then I was intimidated. So, anyways, I think it's great. It's exciting. Yeah, exciting. we're happy. We're, we're happy for both of them, and mm -hmm. uh, they they keep us going for sure. Yeah, that's great. That's great. All right, cool. That's a great introduction. And then, uh, yeah, I sent you the you know the the questions that we, uh, we discussed. So, uh, what type of leadership does it take to be a strategic business executive? So I, I, I thought this through as a, as a two-part answer. And, and the first one is it's just like you were saying in reference in the Messier book, it's, it's all about the team. The quicker that someone can get to the notion that it's not about you as a leader, it's about the individuals on your team and putting the right people in the right positions and be successful and just stand back and watch. Mm -hmm. Solve problems, um, uh, provide resources, you know, motivation, lead from the front, all, all that good stuff. But but my foundation that that works best for me is of all the different you know types of leadership there are. I'm a firm believer in in servant leadership, and it's actually rooted in a in, a, in an interesting story and that I wanted to share because I think it'll kind of hit home and explain a lot of who I am as a leader. Um, when I was younger in my career, I was a I was an account manager. Mm -hmm. And I was young and brash, and I knew it all. And this is before I went and you know got an education. But my numbers were good, and the vice president was coming to town. And the sales manager said, all right, Barger, you've, you've got the, 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 the vice president for the day. Make it good. Make it count. And I, I was not happy about it at all, Sean, I got to tell you. Like, what and, do you mean you weren't happy about it? What does that mean? Well, it was, I, I, I didn't want to babysit this guy. I didn't want to host. I didn't want to air my dirty laundry. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to go do my job and sell and make money. And, it, it, you know, when you're young and you don't have vision, it, it almost feels punitive, frankly, right? The new guy. Mm -hmm. let's, give, let's give it to the new guy. So me and the chip on my shoulder at the time said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this guy to every customer that is mad at us, where we failed operationally, where we didn't deliver, we've invoiced incorrectly, they owe us money, I'm having trouble closing a deal, they won't sign the contract, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. right? This is, this is what I did. So the day comes, and fast forward to the end, you know, this guy had me figured out in 30 minutes, right? Really? He just did. He just did. Uh, he's still in the industry today. Love the guy. But at the end of the day, he solved every problem I had. He smoothed over every ruffled feather. He got the contract signed. He got a commitment for payment on the AR. Um, you know, helped sign a new deal because he approved something that I just didn't have the authority to approve, and he did it right on the spot. Again, he, he saw this coming. And at the end of the day, I was like, wow. He, that is what a leader does. Mm -hmm. A leader comes in, puts himself second, and it wasn't about him that day. It was about me, and it was about my local business, and it was about helping me solve problems. Yeah, get, get rid of those roadblocks so right. you can get past them. Get rid of the roadblocks. And the next time, obviously, I shared the story right with my peers because they knew what I was up to. Mm -hmm. and, hey, Barger, how'd that go? And I, I shared the story with them. So, you know, six, eight, ten months later, whatever it was, all right, VP's coming back into town. Barger had him last time. Who wants him? And everybody in the room is raising their hand wow. be because everybody knew what the last experience was. But that, before I even knew what servant leadership was from a formal, you know, learned it in school kind of thing, that was really my first taste of that's what I want to be when I get the opportunity to be wow. that. And, and that carries me through to this day. Wow. That servant leadership. So you learned that in your, in your MBA program? That actually, that that was part of the just the you know my my bachelor's degree. I did it at NYU again late in life. I got my bachelor's degree at forty eight years old. Okay. Um, uh, 
it's in a leadership and management study. So one, okay, of, the, one, of, the, one of the courses was actually, you know, there's six or seven clearly defined management styles. You go through each one, the practical application, projects, that kind of thing. But um, that, that's the one that I personally identify with even before I knew what it was. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's great. It's, going to, it's come a long way. And, and I think, the, you know, hopefully it comes through as, as, as passion and true belief because it's rooted in something real. I mean, it was, that happened, and that happened in 2004-ish, and I'm still telling the story today. Yeah, it, well, it's solving problems, is getting results. You know? I mean, that's what it is. It's it's. Um, that's what I'm trying to say. There's a, that's the new work environment. So with your daughter getting the HR thing, that's the new work environment, solving problems, it getting is. results. I mean, you know, basic economics, right? We're in this inflationary situation, right? right? Just basic. You don't have to be an engineer, or, you know, a global exec or a executive like yourself to understand. We just have too much money chasing too few goods. I that's mean, it's it. basic. Basic. What's going down here? How are we going to do that? We got to get more productive. More productive. We got more more efficiencies, yeah. right? We got to quit doing things two, three times. We got to do it one and be done with yep. it, right? We got to eliminate problems. Like, no, it leads right into this story. Like all these different problems, and problems are all about, you know. So it's solving problems. You got to be able to solve problems. That's it. You know, if you can solve problems, you'll be okay. You know, is it going to be easy? No. Is it? it are you going to have long days? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, but it is what it is. Because if you don't, um, you can look at it two different ways. You know, you could look at it as an opportunity to advance yourself and, and learn something about yourself like you're talking or, or let it take, take you down. So it's really, it's really up to you to be honest with you. And I think, I think part of that too is you've got to solve problems, but you've got to solve it in the context of the individual. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, not, not from your seat on the bus as the leader, what's, what's the seat on the bus of, of the person that you're coaching or mentoring. And, and, and I, and I think that's, that, that's really important that they feel that they feel good about the result mm -hmm. and understand understand how you got there. Well, that, that's a key point because as a VP or a high, you know, as a, a servant leader, like you, you also want to transfer knowledge to individuals oh, yeah. so that they can, next time they come across something like that, they can, you know, do it themselves. You know, it's the age old thing, you know, give a man a, a, a fish, fish he yeah. eats, eats for one day, teach him how to fish, you can eat for a lifetime, right? And, and what are you doing? You're still telling the story, right? Still telling the story, yeah. Yeah, you know, still telling the story. So, yeah, and you tell the story to other people, and it's great. That's it. It's great, yeah. So, all right. Uh, let me see around the, what, with the background. Yeah, yeah, what, uh, what challenges do you face as a, a strategic business executive? So I know it's a new role. You only had it for about a year or so, but yeah, I had it, had it for about a year. But even in my, you know, this, for the six years prior than that, I was an area vice president and had, you know, 184 people and you know three wow. production locations and 10 retails. All right, so so even even you you could almost say it applied more so in in some of the in some of the previous mm -hmm. roles. But I think the the real art of strategic leadership and then why the word strategic is 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 different and why it's a, it's a specific modifier is you've got to be able to balance the short term with the long term, mm. right? I mean, we live in a world where there's everything from daily sales reports. You've got your safety stats. You've got your monthly reports, weekly call. It goes all the way up to the annual report. And I've seen it before in other leaders as well as my own experience as I, as I was learning. It's real easy to get mired in the short term day to day which and not allow room to be strategic, long-term, long-term planning, succession planning, what are new strategies, new products, new processes. Where the opposite happens, you, you overcorrect and then you spend too much time in the office looking at that macro, at those macro elements, and you lose your touch with the finger on the pulse. What are your associates feeling on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm -hmm. What are your customers saying? So how do you do, how do you cover that entire spectrum of the short-term and the long-term? And the answer that I've come up with is it goes back to your people. Mm. You've got to have the right people in place, empowered, challenged, held accountable, working together, communicating, so that they can take care of that day-to-day, -day, the grind, mm -hmm. right? Those daily tasks. And by doing that, that allows a strategic leader to be able to, what's next? What's coming in three, five, seven years? Right. But that balance is, it's an art, right? It's, 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 it's really an art. But that's that's what I think strategic leadership is. It, it's it's not being the boss. It's it's putting the right people in the right sequence and the right groups, and allowing them to do your thing, 
and then looking at the long-term vision. Yeah, that's that, great. That, yeah. That, that, that to me is what it yeah, is. Yeah, create that success community, you know. That's it. Internally. That, that, that's great. That's great. That's great. Well, how do, you, how do you think business is evolving today in today's world? You know, you kind of touched on mm. some of the points there, but mm. that, being a strategic guy, like let's say you're, you know, you're looking down the road five, ten years, like, like what, are you, what are you saying? Can we just go back to the last one for a sure, second? Sure, yeah, there, absolutely. There, yeah, there was, yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, that's a, the question you just asked. I definitely want to get back to that. But part of that strategic vision is, you know, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, mentoring, coaching, and training. And one of the things that I think is important for a strategic leader is to have those individualized plans, to have those, those, those rising stars that you've identified that are the future of the company. And having been an adult learner and having, you know, used tuition reimbursement programs myself, I'm a huge fan of that. And I think mm -hmm. that's really part of that strategic vision. And, um, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of is when I look around the organization and I can literally say, you used to be on my team and now you're at X position and you used to be on my team and now you're at Y position. Mm -hmm. seeing, seeing folks that I've worked with over the years just excel and get promoted. I mean, that's a huge thing. Um, well, it's a validation. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a validation of your of what you're doing. It, it's got to empower you as well, too, that you're doing the right thing. Well, it makes a strategic leader look good without having to say anything, right? It's just just people are aware of what's going on. People are recruiting from your teams. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then I've sponsored, uh, to this point, five bachelor degrees and two MBAs, too, just wow. for people coming up and encouraging tuition reimbursement. Let me show you the process because I did it myself. Mm -hmm. And again, it's real. It's rooted in something that is, is it, it's, it's tangible. Well, what I like about that it's seeing how far you've gotten and it, and you know, a big thing about Bradley basics is the reason one of my big motivators is like the cost of trying to better yourself in, in today's right. world. It it's to me, it's a very inefficient system. And like, well, I refer back to going back in time. All I would need is that two year pre-engineering and maybe get a job and then maybe get into these financial, you know, reimbursements for college and be more sure you know, work for a while and say, God, you know, this is, this is where I really want to go. Like your daughter, like she knows what she wants she to knows. do. She's going to be good at it. Right. Like, cause she's got passion for it. And then, you know, and then, and then use the organization that not use, but work with the organization that have a system of tuition reimbursement. Mm -hmm. So the financial burden is, is, is not there because quite honestly, there's a lot of people that have a couple hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars in college debt that take your number two pencil out <laughs> And, you know, I say that on purpose and put on a simple piece of paper and manage your expenses. And you realize that you'll be a very old, very old person still paying that off. And to me, that's not, that's, it's not effective. You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. And again, I'm not like I've always said on Bradley basis, I'm not trying to get into anybody's financial uh, way of life. That's not the point here. I just think if you, if you want to talk about efficiencies, you want to talk about productivity, you want to talk about, even safety, like if you're kind of financially stretched and something happens, yeah. like, like I had my car break down, mm, right. right? Like, and I got like, I'm not afraid of it. But I just got to get it. You know, I've had all this, the maintenance done on it, but things happen. Sure. Things just happen. We got flooded out. Yeah. Things happen. You know, it, you know, things just happen. And then all of a sudden you're, you might not have the means to take care of a situation and you might be, might get into a safety situation. I'm like, I'm not trying to scare anybody here, but. But I think what you've done is very, it's very enlightening, you know? It's, um, the path is not for everyone, right? And, and whereas I do think there, there was merit, and th this wasn't strategic. This wasn't my plan at 18 that I was going to get my bachelor's degree at 48, obviously, right? Like right. It, was, it was a long and winding road and some bad decisions, <laughs> right? That kind of got me to where I, where I am. But I'm fortunate that I was able to leverage other people's resources, to help get me where I need to go and, and achieve those two degrees. And at the same time, I try to be careful not to over uh, sell that because like using my daughter as the example, I, I was not going to give her the advice of just get a job and figure it out and try to get to it. Right. Like I, I know what I went through yeah. from that period of 18 to 48 
and and it's hard to recommend it, right? It is. It's it's yeah. Hard. No, I'm not saying recommend it. Like we're like I've said on other other Myler podcasts, we're in like the third generation of working. So what we're what w- w- the environment we're coming with young people is that we're going to elevate the quality of their life, right? Mm, so the, the era that we that we're still in and, and we've been successful, and we we've elevated the standard of our living. That is that is absolutely so true. that you yep. can now. Your daughter has options. She does. Right? That I didn't have. And you make a valid point exactly. there. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, if you look back at our, probably our parents, they kind of worked to survive. It's and fair. we were kind of lucky. I was lucky that I got to play hockey. Okay? <laughs> right. Like, you don't want to know. I don't know how my parents did it. Right. And when they said, hey, you got to, you know, we want to retire and all this other kind of thing, I said, no problem. I, I'll take, Yeah. I, I, I'll be a man here, put my boots on, and I'll get going. And right. I worked a lot of hard jobs and work mm-hmm. for really aggressive people and yeah. because I needed the money because I had to pay right. my rent so I didn't get kicked out of where I was living. You know, so that whatever, feeling, you yep. know, so whatever. So here we are, right? So we're, so it, it I, I think what we, what we can convey and maybe not so much in this podcast, but in our daily lives is just that, that tenacity and, and that work ethic and don't take things for granted. Like, you know, the conversation we had about your daughter, like right. uh, b- before we started really recording how she's very grateful and things like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that, that just comes from that whole increasing your standard. Right. And then if you pepper that into a quality, like it's just, you know, it's exciting to see where it could go. Right? Sure. Sure. Anyways. No, good point. <laughs> Not going off on a tangent. No, no, it's a, it's yeah. a good point. And it, it, it kind of goes to, you know, one of the things that we're seeing out there in, in general, and it affects both home and, and, and professional life is, uh, you know, there's a, there's a generational shift that's going on right now too, right? Between the baby boomers, Gen X, millennial, Gen Z, and expectations are different. So when you talk about, you know, the changes of work and, 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 and it's, it's having a material impact, but on both the customer side, on the employee side, on the home side, Mm -hmm. and it goes to everything you just said about, you know, those three generations and how it's different today. Yeah. than it was before. And it's it's all valid, right? It, everybody's reality is what they're in today. Yeah, and I think what's exciting about our conversation here and just getting kind of back reacquainted, like, you know, we've always talked, but, you know, we we just started talking, whatever, is that, um, you know, the continuous learning that, that always has to be in place, no matter how old you are. Sure. Right? And you hear so many, um, you know, not age-shaming anybody, but oh, this, this young guy can't do, you know, you hear that from older people, right? It's like, you do. well, wait a second. And then you could really get in the, you could really go back and say, well, you could really challenge that individual on that point. But then you have to say, okay, is it worth it or not? Right. But it's like, you could say, well, how, how many books have you read, read about that? Like sure. I read The Age of Entitlement talks that starts yeah. off and it's on Bradley basics reads. You can go to the website to check it out. And it just goes through the night from 1960s to now, right? The baby boomers, how they promised uh, a bunch of stuff and, you know, they had good intentions, but you know, didn't really, it kind of petered out here. And, yeah. and then just the epidemic of narcissism in this country. Like there's <laughs> people that will pay someone North of three large to follow them around with cameras and, Pretend like there's some kind of star. Like that's right. just ridiculous. It is. It's weird. And you see, and then you see it on TV, right? Like, like I said, I'm not. Hey, if you're into those kind of shows, whatever. But you know, you all there's a bunch of people drinking, getting in arguments. That's it. Like I used to, do, I, you know, I used to do that like <laughs> real life. So why, right. why would I? Why, why do I need to watch it? That's it. You know, like, it. it doesn't make any sense. But people are watching. It was it, right? Saturday, right? Yeah, <laughs> but I just leave the room when I see it on. <laughs> I don't, you know, but that's just me. So I'm like, like yeah, you want to watch that stuff? It's right. crazy. Right. But whatever, you know, and it's like, but people are making money that way. It's like the grief industry. Like, like, uh, like I did, you know, that I, I remember doing some kind of weird Google search way back in the day with the grief industry. And it was like, back then it was like a couple billion dollar industry. Sure. I would have to say it's pretty oh. substantial. So people are making money on this kind of, kind of stuff. And is it really productive? Uh, I don't know. Not really. I don't know. That's, that's my opinion. Anyways. It, it, it's interesting because there's obviously a market for it just by virtue of the, the dollars. Yeah, yeah. But but where's the real value and, and who is that market? I, again, I, that's a whole other tangent. <laughs> right, yeah, we'll, we'll stop. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, let's get back to the serious work here. All right, so we're on the uh... – oh, yeah, number four. Like how, how do you how do you feel business is evolving today's world? I mean that's uh... – Yeah, no, so it, it's interesting because if you go back – 
pre-COVID, you know, I'm talking like 20, 2017, 2018, to a degree to beginning of 2019, you know, we were having conversations about what does the future of work look like? And it's, you know, it's everything. We talked about the generational shift, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's a factor. Um, we, we, we talked about technology. Uh, we talked about the, the, the changing needs of individual stakeholders. And, mm-hmm. in, and even within the professional community, the changes in different market segments, right? Even the market segments are, are evolving at different. So what does the future of work look like? And then, bam, like COVID hit. And it was like hitting a fast forward button on what their future of work was actually going to look like. Mm-hmm. It was contactless deliveries. It was Zoom meetings. It was, you know, working in your pajamas to a degree. It was, yeah, yeah. It was the challenges of, well, what about those folks that can't do that? How do we keep them safe? And how do we continue to motivate them and, and, and that kind of thing? And that was really eye-opening on what the future of work actually was going to look like and you know you could you could see it out there now there's this tension as the old guard the old institutions are trying to push back to a pre-covid uh, processes mm-hmm. and, and and you know uh, work style against resistance particularly as that generational shift happens to internal stakeholders and it's it's interesting to watch and i think that internal stakeholders are ultimately going to have the upper hand mm-hmm. in what this looks like going forward. I think hybrids here to stay. I think work from home is going to, you know, again, you've got to, you've got to have people up to do the job to push a business forward. Yeah. Well, to, to, to be successful in that, these internal stakeholders, they have to, they have to have, you know, good ethics because it's, it's a little bit of, it's more freedom, right? So if you're going to take advantage Correct. Or dis, you know, if you're, are you going to take advantage of what is afforded to you, or are you going to use it and thrive and get better? You, you, that that would be the really dynamic. Because if you don't, the the old guard is going to pull you back in and say, Correct. "Hey, well, you you can't handle this." Right. And you know what I mean? And it's kind of like because that's what they ultimately want, right? So. I think that's the biggest challenge of the day. It's mm-hmm. it's that battle of transparency, trust, mm-hmm. productivity. All those things have to you know work hand in hand. And if there's any doubt, that's you know, but. But I think the challenge is the cha- the challenge for that next gen that is up that that is pushing for the hybrid and remote is to earn that trust. I mean, there's opportunity mm-hmm. to do well and say, "Look at my productivity." Right. Well, it goes back to the generation of working. We can then go back to the survival generation, lack of a better term, and pull some of those because that's how it was. Like. I view myself as a pretty modern guy. Like I, I do podcasts. I'm into technology, right? Mm-hmm. I can figure it out. But like when we first, when I first started, like we didn't have a cell phone. Correct. Right? You had to remember stuff. Like people, like I've, I've been in meetings with professional engineers, and and I just, I just hang with them. And this younger, right. younger guy, you know, doesn't work for the organization anymore. I said, well, how, how do you, how do you know so much, Bradley? I said, <laughs> because I want to be somebody in this meeting. Yeah. That's and, a great answer, actually. And I study. Yeah. And I remember stuff. Because back when I used to do business with people, big guys, we had a conversation, we shook hands, and that was it. If I ever forced them to remember our conversation, hmm. that that was like taboo. <laughs> so, you know, right. You know what I mean? Because it was wasn't an email, it wasn't some text, it was your word. Right. Right? And and, and and at the end of the day, you know, you go, 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 way, way, way back. It was your word. It was it. You shook hands and it was your word. So you just got to get back to that, which is not, but if you can't do it too, like that's okay. Just say, just be honest with yourself. Really, it goes back to maybe your daughter's uh, great decision is be honest with yourself. Like really, what do you want to do? Like, huge. you know, if yep. you don't want to do that, then you're not forced to do it, but figure out what you want to do. Like sure. I've been t- teaching a lot of, I've been talking a lot about on the podcast. And I'm going to continue to talk about it. Hit, hit, you know, get the point home is that you need to figure out what you want to do for work first. Not after you put resources together. Oh, you know, sure. you got to figure it out and it's hard. You'll be sleepless nights. You'll be rolling around, rolling around, you know, you'll be rolling yeah. around. But as soon as you figure it out, it's right. meaningful right. and you're focused. And you're effective and you're efficient. And, and if you can, with all these things that are around, use the phone, use the computer. Sure. Meditate. Sure. Talk to somebody. Call somebody up. Hey, do you mind if I come over and 
shadow you just I, I think i might be interested in that. just no, no cost i want to come in take a look whatever do you mind i'm sure most people say yeah no problem most people would you know yep. hey as long as you're on 8 a.m you're here at eight, you know on time and whatever we more to have to have we can give you something to do sure right sure so now what's behind that most of the time is a good motivator a good leader mm -hmm. someone that is looking out and mentor right just yeah just being that that wind in the sails like hey you should probably consider this mm-hmm Right, someone that knows you, someone that cares Correct. about you, right? You got to get back to caring. I mean, I care about people, maybe to a fault, but that's just, just empathy's that, huge. Yeah, that's just how I am. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how I'm built. Yep. All right, all right. So, um, all right, that was four. Are you good with that question? Number four. Yeah. All right. All right. Number five. What what work and uh, continuous learning does it take to maintain and grow as a an exe at the executive level? All right. So this know? one this one gets pretty passionate. You know, I shared my story about being um, an adult learner. Um, Adult Actually, learner, I like that. An adult learner. I might get a right? T-shirt for that. Adult learner. The title. Get a hat. The Bradley Basics. The adult learner. You better put my name on there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, man. Ed Barge. <laughs> um, <laughs> The title of my master's thesis was actually the importance of continued learning and professional development. Really. That's what's published at Penn. Yeah. So wow. that was the title of my thesis. Um, you know, with, as as the, the the world around us it changes and it's it, it's evolving, I think it's. It's, it's asinine for someone to think that what they've learned in the past will continue to be applicable today and the future. You know, I mean, when you sit down with someone that got an MBA, great. That's an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But that was in 1992 or whatever, right? They're so, the, the curriculum is completely different now. Yes. If you were in there today. Um, I think it's imperative that you continue to grow, continue to learn, and not just, not just to be good better at your job today but what do you what do you want to do in the future mm -hmm. right um and if you take a look at some of the stories that i've shared with you uh, it's it's very consistent it is a it is a personal theme of mine the importance of education and you know i, I practice what i preach and try to pull others along too because i i th it, it's you know there's a story that again, a lot of what I share here is kind of to reinforce where, where this comes from for me. Mm -hmm. um, there was a point in time before I got the bachelor's degree. Um, you know, I was I was an aspiring you know professional, and I did continue to get promoted. And I became that guy that yeah, I was in the military, and then I you know was successful here, successful there. I don't need a degree. I was that guy. Mm -hmm. I was vocal about it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then there came a time where there was an executive position opening in, in the New York City market, and by all accounts, I was the shoe-in. Until I wasn't. I didn't get it. And I was actually told that the reason, you know, the day had come. The day had come that not having a degree was, uh, was a career stall mm. for me. And it was eye-opening. And it was motivating. That's what actually motivated me to, you know, enlist at NYU. If I was going to go, I was going to go big. At NYU, that's no joke. Right? And um, what I realized pretty quickly is how embarrassed I was at having been that guy that was vocal about, check me out, man. I don't have a degree. Right. Look at me. Right. And, and I see those guys out there today, and I do make it a point to pull them aside. Hey, man, I get it. I know where you're coming from because I was you, mm -hmm. right? I was, I was you, you know. 15 years ago yeah yeah and and try to hammer that message home because there will there is something to be said about that formal education there are things that i learned that i just would have never learned with ojt mm -hmm. you, you just don't get it right right there, there there is a complete value there yeah yeah absolutely I, you know like I, a lot of times i gotta make sure people don't get the wrong impression about bradley basics you know i'm not against Oh, no, I'm all about, I'm all about all. education. I just have a real fundamental issue with the cost of it. It just seems to me like there's a huge opportunity to be more effective and efficient. But at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you still have to, you know, get some formal education. Like basically, I was really good in math. That's why I went to engineering. Sure, sure. But I wasn't very good at reading. I was slow. And I really couldn't write, to be really honest with you. But I've learned through the years. Yeah. I've had to work at it. Had to work I'm at like, it. well, sure. you just got to work at this stuff. So some of these people you're talking to, maybe they just got to work at it. Like just play small ball, go to, go, go to community college, get a couple, take a couple courses at night, you know, and just get, 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 you know, get kind of get on the, get on the uh, ice rink and skate around a little bit, you know, sure, like, sure. take a couple shots, you know, and, and, you know, and only look, if it's 15 minutes, you know, if that's all you can handle, you know, just build up to it. Like just, but right. just continuously learning. Like it's not a big deal and don't make it a financial burden. Like that, that's, what's crazy about it. So let's say someone wants to do something 
and the family sits down and has analysis like you did with your daughter and says, well, we just, we just don't have the money. Like, sure. So was this person not going to be able to uh, advance in life? Uh, that, that, that's, you know, and that's kind of what people are up against. All, and, it's, and it's not good. Great points. Uh, you know? It's got to, it's got to make fiscal sense for, yeah. for sure. Um, it's, 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 you know, when I have those conversations, when I say, Hey man, I understand where you're coming from. I also don't recommend that they run out and apply to NYU, right? Like small ball, just like, just yeah. like you're talking yeah. about make progress, right? Because when I did finally make that decision to go back to school, I had looked back on all those years where I just said, no, I didn't. and if I'd have been taking one class here and one class there, right? Just gradually, it was missed opportunity on my part. Mm -hmm. And I try to share that pain in the form of experience. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I hope it's motivating. Well, I, I think this podcast is going to be extremely motivating for a lot of people that might might be thinking about these things because life is a long game. It is. It doesn't have to be done overnight. This narcissistic thing, like this quick, this, these quick hits um, and promote know, this, me now, this quick, <laughs> right. this quick jolt of, the, yeah. you know, adrenaline, look at me, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, the, the long haul is that's life. That's a human experience. Right. And, you know, you know, as Plato said, you know, don't, don't discourage anybody, even no matter how slow they're going. Sure. You know, just keep, right. keep going no matter how slow it is. And if you think about that, I mean, um, now I'm like a legit reader. Like I can, That's awesome. I can fricking like take a book and go, you know what? I, I want to learn about that. So I go get the book, Barnes and Nobles. I sit down and I bang it out. Nice. And I'm, I'm reading like Jordan Peterson. Like that's hard to read. Yeah. I read the Bible. No kidding. I read the Bible, dude. I didn't know what I was reading, but like I, <laughs> I, 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 I got through it. Right. I right. got to go back to it, but it's hard to read. Like, so you're like, wow, this is, I got some other ones that are about justice and lawyer books. I'm going to get into those, but those <laughs> things are like majorly fat. So I'm looking at, I already own them. So what I got to like, I got, you know, anyways, so it, it, it just, it just reinforces what you're talking about here. I believe. Yeah, you know, sure. You know what I'm trying to say? So, and, and I love the fact that you're a reader, man. I, I think it's, it's, it's important. We have uh we play a game, not a game at our house, but we have a thing that we do every year. We're on January one, you start with a clean slate and, uh, on December 30 when we all pull our lists out and see how many books we read over the course of the year. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we have family members that we swap books with back and forth and, Hey, do you have any good recommendations? And, and I just think it's great for, for development. It's great for, it's a very calming thing and, and you learn. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's you good learn. for the mind. You know, it's good for the mind. You got to build that. Your, your mind is like a muscle, just no differently. You're lifting I, weights or push ups yep. or running. And, you know, being a, you know, predominant athlete, that's all I really focused on was just the sure. physical, right? But, yeah. like, there's the mental part of it, too, that, that, that you see you got to grow as well, too. So, let me see here. So, we're on to six, right? Uh, yeah. How, how did the value of a, of a formal education play in your ex uh, current executive role? I think we, we kind of yeah, touched no, on that. Yeah, you know, yeah. We kind of good on that one, we, right? We kind of, kind of blurred the last two questions, I, th I think, just through good conversation, right? Yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, yeah, we got the final question here, you know. How do you balance home and work life in your your current executive role? You you mentioned that you're pretty much this next week you're going to be, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. How do you how do you balance all that? So, this was probably you know coming out of our our conversations. This was one of the more th thought provoking things, and I think the first way I wanted what I wanted to establish is for, to me personally, work life balance the, the basic unit or foundation of that is time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably universal. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I also wanted to create some contrast between, you know, early in my career versus where I am now. So if you go if you go back to earlier in my career, there was no work life balance. It was, you know, on, on a scale of one to ten, the chaos meter was at eleven. Wow. Right? It was fifty, sixty hours a week. It was overnight travel. For nine years of that I was going back to school. I was coaching, uh, coaching basketball, coaching yeah. soccer, mowing the grass, right? Like it yeah. was, there, there was no work-life balance, Sean, right? Fast forward to today, you know, on that chaos meter, one to 10, man, look like a four or five now. Oh, wow. Right? Got one of the kids out of the house. I'm no longer a student. Someone else is cutting the grass. There is balance. The bad news is there was no magic lever. There just wasn't. It wasn't like, the, I, I, found a secret sauce it came down to the passage of time 
and grinding it out, man. You got to pay your dues. Yeah, yeah. You have to pay your dues. Got to pay your own dues. I I can't think if I you know if if I was sitting in front of a crowd of twenty somethings and thirty somethings and they're looking at me with bags under their eyes and they're going, oh my god, how do I get work life balance? You don't keep grinding, man. Th- mm-hmm. There was there was a there was a term in uh in the military called the suck, and the suck was a general term that referred to getting up early doing things that you didn't want to necessarily have to do, but it was the mission and you didn't like it, but you did it anyway. Right. It was just a all encompassing term. The yeah, suck. yeah. It didn't feel good. You got to embrace the suck. You just, you have to do it. Mm-hmm. You have to get through it. And eventually you will find work-life balance. But if you don't pay those dues early on, it, again, this is, this is Ed's opinion. That's the secret to work-life balance. If you look for it too early, you're not going to have it later. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend that you go through this, embrace the suck, pay your dues. Yeah. Time will pass and eventually you will be there. I, I think the more important thing, and this is something that my, that my wife and I are trying to focus on. Okay. Now we have time. What do you do? How do you extract the most value mm-hmm. or, or make, you know, yeah. Extract the most value from that time. And uh, I'm going to share one more story with yeah, you. Sure. So we were at a family event years ago. And uh, I have an Uncle Jack at the time. He was 70, had been successful in life, retired. We're sitting outside having a glass of wine, and there's not an awkward silence, but we're we're out of topics. Mm -hmm. So I said, Uncle Jack, you're retired, doing well. What would you go back and tell your 40-year-old self? And Sean, the guy lit up. Like he'd been waiting for this question his whole life. Mm -hmm. He was ready. And he said, Ed, I got three things for you, and I'll never forget these. He said, number one, you're going to want resources. When you retire, you don't, you're not just going to want to be comfortable. You're going to want to be able to do what you, you and Ellen want to do. Mm-hmm. Cool. Number two, you're going to want to be close to your family. Even if it's not geographically close, have something in place where you get together twice a year or a place that you could congregate or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Have a plan. Be close with your family. And number three, as much as you guys are going to want to do things together, have something that is just yours. And make sure she has something that is just hers. So you can spend time apart, come back together at the end of the day, and you got good stories to wow. share. And it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And uh, we really took it to heart. I try to share that story with as many people as I can. And uh, that's kind of what we're looking to do, right? So now we have work-life balance, which means we have time. But we don't want to do it. We don't want to use that time to watch TV or mindless tasks or... We want it to be purposeful. Mm-hmm. Again, being strategic and looking ahead. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So I think, you know, the the letdown of this is there is no magic bullet, man. And again, mm-hmm. this is this is just my opinion. Grind it out. Well, that's why I do these podcasts, because these are, we're recording this. Mm-hmm. It's set. Anybody can listen to it, and it's there. So yeah. it's a lesson from your Uncle Jack. Your uncle, right? Yeah, he's my yeah, uncle. Uncle Jack. Uh, Who's probably he's probably not around anymore, right? Correct. Yeah. So his story will live on. Live on. And people can listen to it, listen to it again, whatever it may right. be. And, and this is the value of this technology technology world that right. we're in, right? Like if you're using technology to do do good, it right. you'll do good. You know, truth is always on our side. Like truth is stronger than anything. Sure. You know, it's, sure. You know, you can say whatever you want or, or or whatever, and you know, you you know, I talk about you know when I did the first podcast with with uh greg connors i just talked about how i felt like because i didn't go right to michigan state or i i didn't do this or i didn't do that or i wasn't in this like you know cool industry you know like i felt like you know there's a lot of intellectual bigotry that i was subjected to right like like people thought they're better than me because they went there or, or went here but it's like all right well we're on the rink right now dude and right it doesn't look like you really know how to skate bro so <laughs> the great equalizer yeah right? let's go like, sure. You know, if you know, if you're such a big shot, take the lead, kid. That's it. Oh, you can't. I'm sorry, but you went here, right? <laughs> so I, I, you know, what, what is this? Like, what, you know, like, dude, it's not going to work here. Sure. So, sure. you know, anyway. So, like I said, like I don't like to be that way, but like that's just from my hockey. Like, like I played where it was, uh, it was a heavy game, and yeah, you know, yeah. you had to, I had to go down and you know tune somebody up in a trial because they were trying to sure, tune me up sure. like what am i to do like right. get, get beat up and drive three hours home right you know, <laughs> you know it's like it you know but that's that's but 
th- things have evolved for the better, right? Like right, you look at things, right. they're not like that. You know, there's the, the you know, viol- you know, violence is gone. Like, but you see it, it, it just turns your stomach, right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of yeah. weird, right? So, you know, you were you talking know, about intellectual not bigotry. And on, on our, a bad note here, but. No, but, no, know, not so. at all. But you, you struck a chord with me about the intellectual bigotry. Um, and and I'll, when I got out of the Navy and before I went into the sales part of the welding industry, I was a civilian welder for, for several years. And uh, when I came home and got out of my car in my apartment complex at the time, I think people were ready to call the cops on me because I was coming home filthy. I mean, you know what a welder looks like yeah. at the end of the day, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, you could just feel the glares and the stares and who is this? Like, what is going on here? And uh, it, it actually forced my hand. I started at this one company, the manufacturer I was working for. I started out taking a shower, bringing a change of clothes before I came home so that when I got out of my car, I didn't feel shunned in my own neighborhood. Wow. But that's the industry we're in, right? Yeah, yeah. And then it was very purposeful. I, I, I needed to get to the white collar side of the business, and that's how, what got me in sales and mm-hmm. onward from there. But I completely can identify with that. Yeah, yeah. And that. I think it goes back to a lot of the conversation we had is about continuous learning. Continuous learning. Don't judge yep. people. No. You know, that's a, everybody is, it, 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 it forces people into bad situations. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Johnny's going here, so I got to go there. I, I, I want to be with the crowd. Like, but wait a second. What, what do you want to do? Right. right. Right? Like, like have courage. That's, that's the first virtue. Like, if you don't have courage, you don't have any, have courage to, to be yourself. That's a you great know? point. Have courage to. Stand up for yourself. I'm not saying physical, you know, whatever. Like, just stand up, you know, like, it's your life. Like, I'm telling right. you, you go down these roads, and and you knew that it, deep down in your truthful way that that wasn't the right way to go, but you just went because somebody else was kind of leading you down there, but you weren't leading yourself because, yeah. you know, like, just have the courage. Like, do the work, do the grind, do the suck, like you said. You know, like, embrace the suck. Bra- embrace the suck yeah. You know? So I embrace the suck on the reading, right? <laughs> You know, I just sat there and I start off with magazines. It's a you start. Know, small little magazine, like, because I like money. So I'm like, I got Money Magazine. I would read Money Magazine and that's right. about all I could handle. And in scale, that was brave, right? Yeah, that was yeah. a start. It took, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you say, God, I'm taking me forever to read this, read this magazine, but <laughs> you get through it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it, 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 like, I, like I said, you embrace the suck and, 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 you know, just be honest with yourself and look at things that you like to improve upon and, and, and set a course. And like you said, time and sit down and just do it. It's not crazy money. Like what I like I've said multiple times on the podcast to do this podcast. It, it's not crazy money. Right. It's not crazy money to get a book from Barnes and Noble for ten dollars. The Bible was five dollars. It was five dollars. This Bible it was freaking five dollars. I believe it. And I just read it. I believe. And it's the freaking Bible. It's five dollars. <laughs> You're telling me you don't have five dollars? I mean, come on. Everyone's got five dollars, and you just have to have the time, like you're talking. If you so. go to the right spot, they give them out for free, Sean. You know? Yeah, get them, give them out for free. Yeah. So, anyways, but uh, all right, Ed. Well, that was a great podcast. Uh, like, like always at Bradley Basics, I, uh, I, I know your time is extremely valuable, and I appreciate you taking the time, and hopefully, you get something out of. Uh, this great podcast I did with my good friend Ed Barger. So thank, thank you. For, th- thank you for uh, for the invitation. This was uh, it, w- it was a privilege. Great experience. Yeah, no problem. All right, Ed. Thanks, Sean. Take care. Later. See you, everybody. Yep. Bye.